Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Amy Montgomery, entrepreneur and digital marketing agency owner. Today, my guest is Stacey Mayer. She's an executive coach helping powerhouse corporate women get promoted into senior level executive positions. Stacey, welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah. So can you share some of your story with us and how you got to where you are today? So when I first started coaching, I actually moved out to Silicon Valley, probably about 10 or 11 years ago. I live out in California and I met a bunch of really powerful women in various different startups and in San Francisco. And I decided that I wanted to be a part of their uprising, right? So I wanted to work with women and really support them to find their leadership, like whatever that was going to be. So I ended up working for a women's leadership organization out here in Silicon Valley. And I met these women and I was in awe. I was like, really, I'm their coach, right? Like they're coming to me for advice because these women have got it together. But the missing piece, and as we've heard a lot in women's leadership, there's the combination between the glass ceiling and trying to get ahead in a very male dominated environment and combined with this thing called imposter syndrome. And I noticed that the women were sort of battling both of these. So it was the external world and the internal world. And by the end of this program, this women's leadership course, it was about six months long, they would feel empowered, right? And, and that was a good thing. But I was like, something is missing. So there is still this piece where we've got a bunch of women running around feeling empowered, but they still have the same title and they still have the same pay and they still have the same level of influence, but now they feel empowered. So I decided that I was going to work on how in the world can we get them actually promoted towards the C-suite? How can we really get them into these higher executive leadership positions. And that's when I took some of those women from that world and then also meeting other women and really like challenging the status quo. Are there some simple tools that are even more than empowerment that really get women those titles? And it worked. And it's literally why I have this business today is all about show me the money. No kudos. Thank you. That's my new <laughs> mantra. Like we don't want more pats on the back. And honestly, quite frankly, these women were already quite empowered. Like they wanted the title. They just didn't have the tools. And so that's why I have the business that I have today, which is really specifically focused on getting women into those higher level positions of influence. Gosh, I absolutely love that. I love it. So I'm so excited to dive in today. So let's start with this. How do you start to manage emotions so they don't sabotage us? And I want to ask this around, not just, you know, from the perspective of, oh, people say women have more emotions and mm -hmm. we're emotional, that kind of stuff. But from the perspective of reacting in those situations that are very high stress and when you're mm -hmm. dealing with maybe even other individuals that are very intense. Yeah, absolutely. So here's the thing I really want your listeners to think about. When was the last time, especially as a woman, we see the men around us blowing up, acting like their EQ is just terrible and they're doing things that are just, I mean, causing quite frankly, us PTSD, right? As women. And they're just at really obnoxious behavior. 
But what I find, and this is the question that I would love for your listeners to ask themselves, when was the last time that you blew up or even on the worst side of the spectrum, which is this thing that we're afraid of, which is that we're going to just have an emotional breakdown and bust out crying, right? Like this thing that inside us, we're like, we have to be non-emotional at work, right? We have to hold it together. And the thing that we're afraid of, quite honestly, very rarely ever happens. You know, a woman that I will meet will say one time, one time they cried, right? They received some very tough feedback or maybe their boss was absolutely obnoxious and they, you know, like they deserve that, right? It's like, oh my gosh, or they got angry, maybe out of turn, but it happens so rarely. But I think that the actual emotion that sabotages women's success is pulling back, is retreating, is disappointment is frustration, but how this actually takes place for women, like how it actually manifests in us is in disappearing. That's like hands down. That is the biggest emotion. (laughs) Disappearing is not an emotion. What is the emotion? The emotion is frustration, disappointment, those types of things. But the action, what happens for us is that we disappear. We very rarely act out in anger, frustration, even tears and pain and suffering, all of that stuff. We take it in. We take it inside of ourselves and we disappear. And so I think if you really look at yourself and you say, okay, in the last six months, when did my emotions get the best of me? It looks a little bit like that, right? It looks a little bit like retreating. And so my offer, my invitation for women in terms of managing their emotions is to notice the retreatment wow, you know, I felt like I was getting shut down in that meeting. What did I do? I stopped talking. I disengaged. I literally turned my zoom camera off, right? Because I was like, I don't want to deal with this. And so then from a managing emotions perspective, look back on that and say, what was really happening? Well, I felt like I was being bullied, right? Or I felt like my opinion wasn't mattered, right? So now we're looking at the emotion that's causing the retreating. And now we can actually do something about it and say, okay, next time I'm in a meeting with these particular people that trigger me in this way, how am I going to handle it? Right. Am I going to retreat or am I going to lean in? Yeah, that's really good. And really understanding like how to, you know, communicate and how to deal with situations like that. One of the things that I always tell people is that if you have a trigger, an emotional trigger, something that always sets you off, like in setting you off again, remember setting you off very often looks like retreating, right? But that thing that often makes your head explode and your brain is going at a million miles a minute, those triggers are literally the most predictable things that can ever happen to you. So if you have a person that triggers you every time that you talk to this person, they make you feel small. And I was going to say man, but often it could be a woman as well. When I'm talking to that leader, they make me feel this way. We can do something about it because it's very predictable. It happens every time. And you'll notice you use that language every time, right? So now we can plan for it and do something different the next time. I like that. So if someone's transitioning from a subject matter expert to an executive, how do they need to communicate differently? Wonderful. I love that question because I want to point out, first of all, we think that somebody transitioning from a subject matter expert looks like an individual contributor, right? They literally are, or maybe a frontline manager, but honestly, I meet C-suite executives that are subject matter experts. So the first thing I want you to realize is that if you are relying on your subject matter expertise to get ahead, 
that means that you are seen as a subject matter expert. So if you understand that this does not have to do with title, this has to do with, like Amy said, transitioning from subject matter expertise to executive. So it happens at any level that you're at, regardless of your title. But if you find yourself constantly putting out fires, being the subject matter expert, being the only person who can do your job, right? The beauty of it, and you asked this question, you said, how do we start to communicate differently? The beauty of it is it is communication. So when you are communicating as the subject matter expert, and how do we communicate both with our words and in our actions? So if you're constantly putting out the fires, if you're not delegating, if you aren't able to get yourself, like I had a wonderful vice president level client who was constantly, she said she was always on the basketball court. You know, she was like basically on the court with them, shooting all the hoops for them, her team, instead of being on the sidelines as the coach. Right. And so really understanding that as an executive leader, that we need to communicate from the sidelines, from the bigger picture, from the vision. And the beauty is, is that because it is communication, we can switch it like that. So imagine you're in a frontline level role, like a frontline management role, or you're the CTO of your organization. You don't have to wait as a frontline manager to become the CTO, because the thing is you're going to scale all of your bad habits with you and you'll become the CTO who's still the subject matter expert, right? So what you want to start to do is shift your communication and an easy, I'll just give you guys a quick tip, a communication thing that you can try this week with your boss. Instead of going into your scorecard, all of the details right off the bat, like you usually do, you might usually do that is I would like you to say, if you would like to hear more details, let me know. And that's it. So instead of going into the details, you're going to say, if you'd like to hear more details, I have them. And 90% of the time they'll say, oh no, that's great. Cause really what they want to do is trust that you have the details, but they don't need to hear every single detail. And that will instantly start to shift your credibility so that you're being seen as that executive leader instead of the subject matter expert. That's how you have real influence at your organization is by being seen and valued as that executive leader. Wow. That's so interesting. What are some of the executive attributes you help clients to position themselves for promotion? So the first thing is that you are able to pull yourself out of the weeds, right? So we call it subject matter expertise, details, those types of things. So one of the challenges, if people are really having trouble getting promoted, it's because the executive team doesn't see them as the executive leader, right? We just talked about this. They see them as the subject matter expert. And so they won't promote them into those higher level positions. One, because they're the only person that can do their job. I mean, this is a terrible catch 22, right? <laughs> yeah. Like you're the only person who can do it. And so we can't promote you literally, or because we don't trust and see you as an executive, they see you as this person who's in the weeds. The second skill that I teach my leaders is to be able to own the vision that they are ready to be and they're fully capable of being in the C-suite someday, right? Or whatever that C-suite looks like for you. It might look like a senior VP role. It might look like something totally different running a nonprofit, like whatever that C-suite is for you, really owning that you have the ability to get that title, like already right? That it's simply a communication tool 
that you need to start communicating as that executive leader. And in the first place we have to do is own that we even want it. And so I talked before about women's leadership. And when I was working there, one of the problems was, is that we didn't actually talk about title that much. We kind of dumbed it down a little bit because it was like, oh, it doesn't really matter because as women title, isn't the most important thing for us. This is not our driver. Right. And so it becomes this sort of weird thing where we're like, I don't want to play the masculine game of going for a title, but what we inadvertently do is not go for the title. And so that's when we find ourselves being underpaid and undervalued and underappreciated and frustrated. And we say, I'm going to go somewhere else where I'm more appreciated. And so really owning that you can have that cease to be title. And it's so fun to watch the women just perk up and be like, oh, Oh my gosh, Stacy, it's totally possible. I see it happening, right? And their fire come out and their ambition. And then they really just snap into focus and figure out exactly what it's going to take to get to that position. Wow. What are the best ways to build trust with leadership? Well, again, the first thing is knowing that building trust with leadership is important. And so I think that we really underestimate it. We think the most important thing, and I love that the whole topic of this discussion so far, Amy, has been about the subject matter expertise because it is such a challenge for people to kind of break out of and transition, but you're building trust with all of the executive team that you are ready to lead at that executive level. You're building trust with them that you are an executive. One of the terms that I could really do without and like literally never hear again and throw into the wastebasket is high potential. Because I think that when your goal is to be seen as a high potential, it's basically like a subject matter expert, but a little bit bigger. It's like, I have the potential to be an executive leader, but I'm not. Again, this is a common term in women's leadership. It's like, I have high potential, so I feel good. And so I'm going to keep doing exactly what I'm doing. And it doesn't always result in a promotion. So you're going to proactively build trust with the executives all across the board, not just your boss or even your boss's boss. Everybody on the executive team has to know exactly who you are. And I teach a process inside of my programs called 15 minute ally meetings. And this was sort of to counteract the phenomenon of mentors and sponsors. And so I think that mentors and sponsors are fantastic. And I'm not going to argue. You will hear, I interview for my podcast, a lot of senior executive leaders, and they all say, you know, what got them there is like their mentors, their team, those people who challenge them, like those are incredibly important. But as leaders, we start to look for the perfect mentor and sponsor that's going to save our career. And what I do is I say 15 minute ally meetings, let's create us a little mini army that's going to help us get promoted. Right? So sometimes it's like a 15 minute meeting with an exec in a totally different apartment, 15 minute meeting with every single C-suite executive at your organization, like every single one of them, but only 15 minutes. Don't go too far right? You're going to drive yourself a bit crazy or the other person will have these huge expectations. If it's an hour long meeting, 15 minutes. And so we're building that trust that we're ready to lead at this higher level. That's one of the outcomes of this. And then the other outcome is that it starts to build that confidence within yourself. 
right? When I said that part of the process of getting promoted is believing that you can be in the C-suite. It's like, when you start to have these regular conversations with executive leaders, you're like, oh no, not only can I be in the C-suite, but once I get there, I have all of these relationships, right? I have built this little mini army around me that really supports me, knows what I stand for and is willing to help me get there. That is so good because I think back to even my years when I was at Deloitte and mentor was a really big thing. You mm-hmm. always had to have a mentor, but I look back to what you were saying. If I had thought of it more in the lines of like, if I were to do it all over again, if I were to go and meet with each partner that was on my accounts and get on their calendar and let them know, Hey, this is what I'm doing for the accounts and just touch base mm-hmm. because most of them did not know what I was doing. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that kind of leads that into my next question about if you allow others to take credit for your work, which I Mm -hmm. was guilty of (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I felt like in that environment, the people that I was working with in order to have them on my team and be supportive of me, there are other women. And for some reason, I felt like they were extremely competitive. And I also had a background for 15 years as an executive assistant, went from executive assistant to consultant. I got promoted up the ranks, but yeah, that was my biggest downfall. Cause in the past I was so used to, I just have to make my boss happy. And then that's the end of the story. So I just thought, Mm -hmm. okay, I just need to make my team happy and I don't care who's taking credit for my work, but that was Mm -hmm. not good. So if someone's in that similar situation, how can you start taking credit for your work and gain visibility? Yeah. Well, the first thing is to really understand that with these 15 minute ally meetings, it gives us that practice, right? One-on-one, it's much easier to have a conversation about what we're doing, right? Much, much easier than like mass email or kind of, you know, in the hallway or so, Hey, did you know, I just did that thing because (laughs) honestly, I would rather like women, one of the challenges that we face taking credit is that it is that masculine approach, right? It's like everything that we don't want to do right in front of us, right? We're like, we see those people who just seem like they're kissing up, that they're taking credit for everybody's work, right? And we're like, that goes against our value system. And so I think what happens is we're like, well, if that's the way we get promoted, then I don't want to be a part of it. Right. But in your case, right. Like what you're talking about, it sounds a little bit more like, I just didn't know that that's what I was doing. And so there are a couple of pieces to that. One is you talked about being an executive assistant and transitioning into consulting, which if we look at it from that subject matter expert perspective, right. What is an executive assistant being told what to do, you know, following directions, being really good at your job, like, you know, not offering too many opinions, some opinions, but they have to be selective, right? Mm -hmm. What is an executive leader? It's that we're able to think outside of the box, you know, push the envelope, right? Offer alternative opinions and solutions to problems, right? So when you made that transition, that transition happened for you. And Mm -hmm. so then you're like, oh, I'm in consulting, right? But you earned that, right? It was probably in you all along and you've had an absolutely incredible career. I was so impressed when we met even before this podcast interview, I was like, oh my gosh, you created that. Yeah. You created that and the missing piece, like literally, if you think of it like this, like I created this business, I don't have imposter syndrome, my friends, I'm a total corporate badass, right? I am right. You are 
And if the missing piece is that I have to schedule a ton of 15 minute ally meetings to get myself out there to make sure I like that better than I need to take credit for my work, right? Taking credit. Like I said, it just like, it punches me in the gut. I have to take credit, right? No, but I am a total corporate badass. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to schedule 20, 15 minute ally meetings in the next month. And the way I'm going to be able to time management is to do it just 15 minutes at a time, right? I'm going to be really clear that that's what it needs to be. And then I will be able to show people instead of just tell people that I am an executive leader. Cause that's the other thing about these meetings that are so powerful is that when you think about executive leadership, it has a very proactive, non-reactive element to it. And when you're just proactively scheduling 15 minute meetings and nobody else at your company is doing it, you're like, oh, there's something to this woman. Like she brings something to the table. I should listen. Mm -hmm. And it's showing them not just taking credit, right? Like, and being like, hello, just so you know, I did that project. You know, it's more about like, how do I just engage in conversation and real relationships with people? I'm not one of the other challenges with mentors is I I'm down here and you're up here and I'm looking up to you and we can be humble leaders. Women, they underestimate the amount of humility that we just have in our DNA, that we are incredibly humble. We can be peer to peer with another woman and still be like, you're amazing. And I honor you. And I think that I look up to you, but yet we're really bringing ourselves to the conversation. And when you can do that, that's starting to act like that executive leader to really understand I am your peer. I bring so much to this table and this conversation. And then that's how those CMO opportunities become available because you're the word and word gets out right all at the same time. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that I'm really noticing for the women that I work with is this idea that they have options And there's a couple of reasons why that is like literally happening for us in the world right now. And one is the great resignation is actually working in some ways in our favor, right? Because what's happening is people are leaving your organization. Other companies are looking for women to bring onto their executive teams. Like they're actively seeking you out. And then the other thing is, you know, if you've heard of like rock bottom, (laughs) you know, like crying on the bathroom floor and change finally happens, right? Something like COVID over the last two years, the great resignation, like why is it happening? It's because we've had enough. I live in Silicon Valley. We're not looking for these giant tech companies to give us the highest salary, but the worst life possible, like terrible culture, right? Like we care about the opposite, right? But the good news is that it's not the opposite as in I have to make no money, right? And work for this other company that doesn't pay me or support me. It's that we have that option to make money, to have that influence, to work for some of these tech companies that are realizing that they have to start shifting in order to attract from a cultural perspective, right? Men or women, right? This is what's happening in our world. And the women in my executive ahead of time program, their minds are getting blown. They're like, oh my gosh, Stacey, I just got three offers. And now we're in this like pitch of pricing, right? Like how much money can they pay me? And what can I ask for on top of it? And to your point, what am I not going to tolerate? 
and really picking, feeling like we have choices and choosing that company. And honestly, when we can take ownership of our career in that way, that is how we're going to really affect change in business. When we're able to bring our whole selves to work, when we're able to get into those positions of influence and power, I call it affecting change from the C-suite out right from the inside out, because those are the companies that both are the ones who are going to listen to us. Mm -hmm. Right. And we are going to be able to fully feel empowered and show up as our true authentic self and do the work that we really need to be doing at those companies. So can you share some of your client success stories with us? Absolutely. One of the women, I'll call her Janine. And when I first met Janine, she was a vice president of sales. She was really fantastic at her job at like really great. Actually, she was the woman who was on the basketball court, solving all the problems for her team. She also always hit her targets, like exceeded sales targets, all of the great things on paper. And she was having very open, honest conversations with her boss, who was the chief business officer. So she reported as a VP directly into the CBO, which first of all, I see that and I'm like, why wasn't she SVP? But that's okay. That's for a different time. Right. And she was doing all the right things, except for when the senior vice president role became available. Guess who got it? (laughs) Not her. Right. And she received those promises. Keep doing what you're doing. You're doing great. They hired from the outside. They decided to bring in another executive who was, she was now going to report in directly to. So of course, just like your eyes right now, you're like, oh, and I see this every single day and I'm tired of it. Right. That's why I'm doing something about it. And so I want to share this story with you because what she did is she went to her boss and she said, what happened? And because she's really valuable to the company and he doesn't want to lose her, he said to her, don't worry about it. You are amazing and keep doing what you're doing. This is not the job for you. This was not the role for you. I think for most women, what happens at that point, we feel like we have a choice. We have two choices. She goes back to her desk. She listens to him. She says, you know what? This job is comfortable. I like it. I am hitting my sales targets. I like my team. Everything is fine. Title doesn't matter. Let me not worry about it right now. Let me just try and get along with my new boss. Like we've been there. And then we have the other one, which is like, no way. I'm not putting up with this. I'm out of here. Right? So we start applying outside. Like, so that's what happens with most people every single day. It was funny because she had hired me about a month before this happened. It was very unexpected. And when she told me that they hired this woman, I was like, great, let's get to work. And she was like, what do you mean? Applying outside? I said, no, shifting perception. He doesn't see you as an executive leader. What is wrong? (laughs) Like, what are you doing that is showing him that you're not ready to lead at an executive level? And And she was cried. She's like, what do you mean? Like, you know, but that's ownership right there. Mm -hmm. She is not showing up as an executive. What she was showing up as is the person who solves problems for everybody else. Right. And that's the position she's going to continue to stay in. So we worked to shift perception, to pull her out of that subject matter expertise, to have these higher level conversations, to build relationships all across the board. The first person we tackled was her CEO. Her CEO didn't know who she was. And now he calls her, he meets with her, he talks to her. So long story short, she got promoted within three months to senior vice president. After this happened, it was a different role. The role actually fit her much better. It was way more aligned to her strengths. 
and it wasn't the original intention of the role. So we'll always be able to look back at it and say everything happens for a reason. But the good news is, is the person she had to become to get that senior vice president role that she ended up really earning was a better fit than the person who would have just gotten promoted because she didn't have those relationships because she was too far in the weeds because she didn't have that bigger ambition for her career. And so now she's able to think about her thought leadership. What does she want to do? How does she want to give back and be a mentor to other women? And she has like people coming up to her and really seeing her as a powerful executive and not just a woman who got promoted to senior vice president. That's the world that I want to create. Oh, and did I mention now she has this brilliant relationship with her CEO. So she's actually driving change at the organization. So it's so exciting. That's amazing. And it's an encouraging story too, because you think when that happens, how just deflating it is. Yeah, of course. But like you said, very empowering that you can actually take ownership and realize that you can change yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the true deflating is like not knowing what to do, right? That's the place that we sit in for a little bit too long is that indecision, the not knowing when there are certain clues, there is a way out. And this is what I hope to let more and more women know is that there are certain things that you are doing that are actually keeping you exactly where you are. Right. And so when we know that it's like, oh, well, I can take ownership of my career because now I know what I'm doing wrong, you know, so I can fix it. Oh, and here's the other beauty is that if you start to fix it and then you get yourself into that more empowered place and your company still doesn't promote you, that's when we go to what I was talking about. Now we have options, right? Because now you know that you're ready. You really are that executive ahead of time. You really are doing the work. And then you're like, oh, okay, I'll bring all that into my interviews now and get that CMO position just like you did. It's amazing. So let me ask you this question. What's the best piece of advice anyone's ever given you? Stop acting like a teenage girl. This is... (laughs) So bizarre. That was the first thing, but it was so life changing. (laughs) I think he actually told me you're acting like my daughter. So I talked before about managing our emotions and managing my emotions is my life work. This is why I love talking about it all day long is because I am a very emotional woman. I was, you know, titled by my family, a drama queen growing up. And it's just what I do. I scream, cry, laugh, like all these extremes, right? And so I was taking this meditation class and we were supposed to sit on a cushion and do nothing and breathe in and out. And, and that was it. And it cost money and it was three days long and we weren't given any real instruction. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, what is this place? Who are these people? Did they just take my money and all? And then they would say things like, Oh, that's interesting. You know, and I was like, I was done. So my insides are screaming. I am frustrated. I actually kept pacing around the room. And so the teacher who was actually incredibly skilled and very, very wise and not just, you know, a person to sit there. He was like, Hey, come here. Let's talk for a second. Like what's going on. It's like, well, you know, to be quite honest, this is really frustrating. Like, you know, I paid and I just decided, cause I had no problem speaking up is I decided to tell him all the reasons why this workshop was terrible. And he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's like, you were acting like my teenage daughter. And I was like, in that moment, 
it literally, I think this, oh my God, this must've been like 12 years ago, but I feel like the path that I have been on since that day has just been so powerful for me. I realized that I was 35 years old, stomping my feet just as much as I did when I was 16. This is not fair. And one of the things that I teach my women who roll their eyes a lot, who are very annoyed and who are like that jerk got promoted and I didn't, you know, they're spending a lot of energy being mad at all the situations and the people around them, but yet they're not able to do the work on themselves because they're so focused outside of themselves. And in that moment, I was like, oh, there is nothing happening to me. Like literally yet I'm just as frustrated. Like nobody hurt me. (laughs) You know, they literally told me to breathe in and out a perfectly harmless thing. Yet I was angry as if somebody had just passed me over for promotion. In that moment, I realized that we have the true power. Everything was within us. And it's just a matter of being able to see it for ourselves. That was some great advice. (laughs) That's hilarious. I'm glad I asked that question. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was a good one. So what do you think your truth has been that has gotten you this far in your journey? So some of that, right. This idea of ownership, I have a values document that I look at literally once a month, I pull it up and remind myself of my core values, but ownership is one of them. We haven't talked too much about this, but I was an actress in a former life, spent 20 years doing improv comedy. And I was in New York city and I had moved there ready to be an actress, ready to perform. And I was told that I had to wait in these cattle call lines, that I had to wait for approval, that I had to, you know, wait and be told what to do. And I decided that I wasn't going to wait and that I was going to pave my own path. And I decided to start my own theater company. And then I would invite agents and casting directors to that. Right. And so in terms of my own truth, it's this idea that we are always in control of our life, of our career, that when we really take that ownership, then we realize that we are the answer for me. Now it is trusting like literally every day, the process of trusting myself, right? I have a book coming out later this year and just really knowing that it's perfect. It is absolutely perfect. And that I am putting it out there. Maybe not every word is perfect or like, it's not going to resonate with every single person, but that that is really my truth is to put my art, my creativity, my coaching, whatever I see out into the world. And that's the most important thing is to take action and to really just own it all along the way. That's great. If you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? I think what I would do is believe my mom, (laughs) believe her. And what I mean by this is I grew up in a family that said that I could do and be anything I wanted to be. And just like the teenage girl on that cushion, that meditation cushion, I did not believe them. And what I mean by that is, is my mom would kind of just tell me that all of the time. Like I would not get a good grade at school and she would say, you're amazing. And I was like, what do you mean? I just got to see, right. I just failed that test. What do you mean? I'm terrible at basketball, you know, but you're amazing. You're amazing. You're amazing. She just kept saying this over and over again. And I spent so much energy 
fighting that. I was like, but she doesn't know me, <laughs> you know, but they don't know. And this is sort of what it looks like today, but they don't know me. They don't know that I'm, I'm really a mess with my kids or they don't know behind the scenes, what's actually happening for me that I'm not actually successful as successful as they think. And there was a point, And of course, all of this happened after I found meditation where I actually asked myself, what if I believed my mom? And so what I would tell my younger self is you are amazing. <laughs> you are amazing. You are amazing. You are amazing. And you are fully capable. You are all of these things from the beginning. And so maybe just let that in a little bit. Like, what if you just believed that your mom was right? Just believed just a little bit. If you can't believe completely believe a little bit that she might be right. I can't even imagine if I didn't struggle against that and just really believed that I truly was amazing, as amazing as she saw me as this perfect human being that could never fail. This is a lot of what I bring into my work today is that I really do believe that I'm this perfect human being who cannot fail no matter what I do, right? Like, it's like, I put this book out there. I can't fail because I already did it, right? I created this. It is enough. So that's the spiritual quest, but it's definitely looking back. I'm like, oh yeah, I really didn't believe her. <laughs> <laughs> so Stacey, there's people that are listening that want to get a hold of you and work with you. What's the best way to contact you? Awesome. Well, the first thing I'll point out is that I do have a really fantastic podcast as well. It's called Maximize Your Career with Stacy Mayer. And then the other thing is connect with me on LinkedIn. Definitely go there. I love connecting with women. I always post different trainings that I'm doing and about all of my programs and things like that. So definitely shoot me a note on LinkedIn, look for Stacey Mayer, and then I'll be having a book coming out later this year called Promotions Made Easy, a step-by-step -step guide to the executive suite. And I'll be sure and let you know, Amy, what the release date is for that. So you can let your listeners know as well. Perfect. And if you could provide that link with us when it's up, I'll put that on our website as well. Wonderful. Thank you. Yes. And if you want more information about our podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.com. Thank you everyone. And have a wonderful week.